Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Amen. We affirm that truth together. You can be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, If you walked in a little uh, after our vision moment, our announcements earlier, and you're wondering why there's so many people wearing sports paraphernalia, uh, we've heard that there's a big football game coming up, apparently, at some point in the near future. And, uh, but more importantly, we want to invite you to join the team. We've got teams all over this campus on Sunday mornings, serving kids, guest services, worship, tech, set up, tear, tear down team, translation, um, and we just believe there's a place for you. We want to slow the train down long enough for you to find your spot on it before we start moving into the new year. And so join the team is our, our theme today. You're going to hear even more about that at the conclusion of the service. Um, and I'm wearing... Man, this is, this is, there's not a lot of these. This is a Tim Tebow Jacksonville Jaguars jersey. It, it worked. He didn't play a day for the team, but they sold a bunch of jerseys. And so I'm wearing it in the hope that whatever special divine favor rests on that man might rest on me today as I bring you the word of God. Hey, uh, Wild, today is, is a celebration, special day, because today we are concluding the final chapter, the final verses of our First Corinthians study. And here's what's crazy. I looked this up. We began this series, we began studying through First Corinthians on January 29th, 2023, which means 364 days or one day short of a year ago. God's been faithful as we've walked through that. We celebrate uh, a lot of things here, baptism, salvations, people joining, serve teams. Can we celebrate God's faithfulness in walking with us through his word in 1 Corinthians together? 1 Corinthians 16, I invite you to go there uh, with me. And I, I want to let you know as you turn there, the Bible is a story of people and places. It's a story of people and a story of places. Adam and Eve created in and then exiled from Eden. Abraham, a man who was called to leave Mesopotamia and to go to the land that God would show him. Moses sent to deliver God's people from Egypt and lead them into the promised land. Ruth widowed in Moab, finding refuge in Bethlehem. Jesus, born in Bethlehem, exiled to Egypt, raised in Nazareth, and then both crucified and resurrected in the city of Jerusalem. People and places, places and people. In other words, Scripture is not merely a religious textbook, if it is that at all. It is a record of the lives of real people living in real places, encountering the real and living God. And the truth is, their stories are not that unlike our own. They're stories of people being moved by God from places to new places and encountering God there. We have many in our midst who came from a place called First Baptist Orlando at their John Young Parkway campus five and a half years ago with a vision to plant something new in Horizon West. And many of you came with us then at that time. 
Others of you came to us from Oasis Church when three years ago God provided even further vision of what this diverse community of good friends, together doing good works and sharing the good news of Jesus, what that might look like as two churches became one and we continued the work God had given us both. And many more of you came to this place having relocated from places like Texas, New Jersey, California, Brazil, Colombia, Jamaica, and the reality is however you got here, we believe God has a plan for this particular people called Horizon West Church and this place that we call Horizon West. And so as we turn to 1 Corinthians 16, we're going to get a behind-the-scenes look. The Apostle Paul, the writer of this letter to a church in Corinth, giving us a look at the people and the places that formed the story of the first century church. In fact, we'll see six unique places and seven unique people that Paul is going to mention by name in the passage. And I believe what Paul is doing in this, his last chapter of, of the letter, his last words of the letter, is, is raising up the eyes of the Corinthians and, and with them ours as well, to answer the question, how does a people become ready to embrace the move of God in their life? In other words, how do we remove obstacles to what God wants to do in this people and in this place? What must be true of a people like that? Now, I want to give you five keys. We're going to jump right into them with supporting scripture. But the first key to being ready to embrace the move of God here and now is that we must be ready to give. Look at the first four verses of chapter 16 with me. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, then they will accompany me. It's the first time in the church you're probably going, oh great, another pastor talking about money. The funny thing is, the Apostle Paul makes it really clear what is true of every pastor I know, we don't like talking about money. <laughs> That's why Paul says, hey, go ahead and take care of this before I get there. I don't want to waste time on it. And yet it remains the fact that a people who are ready to embrace the move of God hold what they have with open hands. Paul says, now concerning the collection of the saints, this is probably related to later instructions. Paul's going to write them a second, many people believe even a third letter to this same church in Corinth. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he references a famine that's going on in Jerusalem and says, hey, those of you down there in Corinth, Greece, who aren't experiencing the same hardships, you be ready to give to the needs of your brothers and sisters. In, in both passages here in 16 and 2 Corinthians 8, he, he mentions Macedonia. I'm going to pass through Macedonia. We learn in the second letter that the Macedonian church gave a massive uh, contribution to the needs of Jerusalem. So, so that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, be ready to give to the needs that exist in your world. And he says, I I'm coming, so be ready when I get there. He says on the first day, verse 2, first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside. I love that Paul, like a, like a, a good leader or, or maybe even a loving father, gives him some real practical instructions. <laughs> Paul's probably thinking, 
if when I show up, I say, hey, who's ready to give? You're going to want to give, but you're not going to have the ability to because you haven't planned for it. Therefore, plan for it. Set some aside. Be ready to give. The way I translate that is this. To be ready for something is more than just being willing. It's having an actionable plan. I might want to see God move, but am I ready? I might want to give. The question is, am I able? Being ready is having a plan that enables you to, when the time comes, you're able to step right into it. A year and a half ago, we called for the church here and all the campuses of First Orlando to give to the work of God that was happening at Schofield Road, where we, in a matter of just a few weeks, with all the campuses together, we were able to contribute almost $7 million so that in cash we could buy the property on Schofield Road that will be the future home of the church. And I want to commend you because you were ready for it. We didn't even give you a lot of lead time, but, but you were ready to give as evidence that you saw what God was doing and wanted to join him in his work. Let me be really, really transparent for a second. I wasn't as ready as I wanted to be. I wasn't as prepared to make the, the, the big gift that I wanted to make as a family. We did, but there was some limitation to it. And I tell you this because later this year, we're going to make another big ask. In fact, it'll be the biggest ask we've ever made because we want more than just some dirt on Schofield Road. We're going to build buildings there. Places where the gospel will be preached for generations to come. Places where children's hearts will be shaped around the love of a good father who sent his only son into the world that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. Places where missionaries will continue to be sent where we already have them in places like Nigeria and Central Asia but also perhaps into Europe and South Asia and Africa and South America. We need a place where the move of God can be unhindered and so we're going to ask later this year and I would appeal to you now would you begin to get ready now for what we will ask then? The truth is, I believe every single one of you, if you call Horizon West Church home, you're like, man, I'd love to stroke a check for a million dollars. I'd do it if I could. My question is, what can you do? And what might you be able to do if you begin now to prioritize giving to the work of the Lord so that you're ready when the time comes? As an assist to that, we, we're going to do something next month. Uh, actually, we'll start talking about it next month, and we'll implement in March. But it's going to be a financial uh, management class that we're going to offer to you. We, we want to give you the opportunity and the ability right here on this campus on a Sunday morning to, to set aside some space where you, you and a spouse, you and your family, can learn financial management resources. Here's why. Not so you can get rich, <laughs> but so that obstacles can be removed to what you want to do, which is to give freely to the work of God. So stay tuned for that in the coming weeks. When I was a youth pastor many, many years ago, I was at a youth conference where a man spoke to us about an orphanage that was being built in a place where the stories were horrific and they, they were uh, mind-blowing. And it was very evident that God was moving in the hearts of students, not, not adults with, with full-time, you know, full good-paying jobs, high schoolers, middle schoolers. God was moving their hearts to want to give to the building of this orphanage. 
And I was one of those who was called on to be kind of, uh, 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 as a leader, kind of to be a recipient of those who would come to give their gifts. At that time, people wrote checks. Even students had checkbooks. It was weird, but this one student, high schooler, looked like he probably played football or something. Never had met him before. But I found out later, he, he uh, was a hardworking kid. He, his family had a farm, and he, he worked on the farm, and he was earning income, setting aside money to be ready to, to buy his own home. He had $10,000 saved up. And this young man, about 17 years old, I was only about six or seven years older than him at the time, he comes up with a checkbook and a pen, and his hand is shaking. And he says, here's what I want to do. He says, I want to give a $10,000 gift. I, I, I actually stopped and I said, I, I, are you sure? Like, I'm thinking, I'm going to get a phone call from a parent. This is not wise. This is like, this is reckless generosity. He said, I'm giving this gift. But my hand is shaking. I can't write it. Will you write the check for me? He goes, I'll just sign it at the bottom. And so I penned his name and the amount, and with a shaking hand, he signed it at the bottom. Hand shaking because the gift was so large that he was trembling. The truth is, being ready to give doesn't make giving easy, but it makes it possible. When is the last time you gave a gift so sacrificial that it made your hand shake? See, this is, I think, the, the kind of thing, I, I, it evokes the kind of response, I believe, God is calling for a people who are ready to embrace the work that he is doing. Let me be really clear, money does not move the hand of God. A, a church with a lot of money that doesn't have the move of God is just a rich, dead church. That's not what we're striving for. There's plenty of those in the world. What we're striving to be a people that are not hindered and one of the keys that unlocks that is generosity. That all that God wants to do, he can do in our midst because we're not holding him back. Secondly, to embrace the move of God means being ready to serve. In chapter 16 at verse 5, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through there and perhaps I'll stay with you, might even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I don't want to see you now just in passing. I hope to actually spend some time with you if the Lord permits. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries there. So when Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you for he is doing the work of the Lord as am I. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace that he may return to me for I am expecting him with the brothers." And concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. It's kind of, a, kind of an interesting, I told you we're looking behind the scenes, kind of an interesting look at how Paul thought about the people that had joined his team. People like Timothy and Apollos. And I want to draw out some of the things that Paul says to this church in Corinth. He says in verse 6, I will stay with you. Verse 11, help Timothy on his way. And verse 12, Apollos will come when he has opportunity. The implication behind all of this is that Paul is saying to the Corinthian church, be ready to serve those who show up. Be ready to open your home. Be ready to give a financial gift. 
Be ready with words of encouragement. Be ready to pray over. Be ready to to support in whatever way is needed. Paul's talking very simply about hospitality. Showing hospitality to those that were serving the Lord on the field was one of the ways that the Corinthians could remove obstacles that otherwise could come in the way of these men. But I want to be very clear, it is only one of the ways. Hospitality is only one of the ways that we serve the Lord. There are actually many spiritual gifts throughout the New Testament. You will not find anywhere a comprehensive list. It'd be really nice if it was like all, however many there are, they're all in one spot. But what we've done is we've kind of collected from the various passages that talk about the the unique ways God has gifted us through his Holy Spirit. And there are dozens of them. I want to show you something that I put up a few weeks ago. This is a a QR code. In fact, if you would just get your phone out, if you didn't do this when we showed it a few weeks ago, if you would scan and click on this link, my good friend Jimmy Knott uh, has created this. It's kind of a compilation of many or most of those spiritual gifts. And through taking that spiritual gift survey, you can begin to just further unpack and understand the unique ways that you are made. Let me highlight just a few spiritual gifts so you know the kind of things that you might be called to do. One spiritual gift is leadership. We've got a lot of people here with that gift, and, and they serve in a lot of places, but they certainly are highly represented on our deacon team and in our staff, people gifted by God to lead within the church. Teaching is a gift. Those who are part of our teaching team and unpack the Word of God week after week have the gift of teaching. Another gift is mercy. That can show up anywhere, but it shows up in droves over there in our kids' ministry, where a lot of mercy is needed. And maybe I should include our student ministry, where a lot of mercy is needed. Another gift is, is simply the gift of serving. This is, this is the willingness and the ability to do physical work to the glory of God. Uh, we needed something moved backstage uh, before the service, and so we were doing our walkthrough, and I I made a joke kind of on myself. They called for big, strong men, and we had like several of them. And though I'm wearing Tim Tebow jersey, I am not Tim Tebow. And I said, hey, if you want somebody really strapping, just call on me, I'm ready. But that's not my gift, right? That's just not my thing. We have people that serve in our setup teardown team that show up at 6.45 and 7 o'clock and, and unpack carts and they push them back to the kids' spaces and guys that are running cables and people that are serving in just very physical ways. It doesn't take a ton of talent. It just takes, God, I'm willing and you've gifted me to do for your glory. I want to do it. And, and really, it doesn't take a lot of strength. It doesn't take physique. It just takes a willingness to be, ser- to be serving and to be used by God. So I encourage you, if you haven't, go to that QR code, go to that link at, uh, at that uh, website. Uh, let me add this. There is something better than knowing your spiritual gift. Doing your spiritual gift. Or even if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, just start serving and discover it. Somebody might tap you on the shoulder and go, hey, I really appreciate that you're doing this. But there's an opportunity somewhere else that you might be more suited for, right? Like it is in doing what God has called us to do. It's in stepping out of the boat and serving that we begin to discover more who we are and how God has crafted us. So ready to give, ready to serve. Here's the next one, ready to stand. This is an interesting couple verses here. Let me read verses 13 and 14. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, 
be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. If you're like me, you notice that there is a very interesting expression tucked into the heart of those verses. What does it mean to act like men? Keep in mind, Paul is writing to both men and women. So what is Paul getting at when he says act like men? As you read the word, and I pray and hope that you do on your own, there should be places, and I did it this week in in the Gospel of Luke, there will be places where you might just put a little question mark going, I don't understand that fully. And that should be God's invitation to you to dig a little deeper to find the answer. And those tools exist uh, out there. As I looked into what this expression, act like men, means and what Paul is driving at, here's what I discovered. Those three words in English, act like men, are one word in Greek. And the word is andritsomai. This word, andritsomai, appears only once in all of the Bible, and it's here in 1 Corinthians 16. This creates a problem for translators of Scripture. And you'll, you'll probably get there even before I finish telling you. What, what, what do you do with the word that only appears once? Because the way that we understand what words mean is in context. We, we look at the context and we see a word and we don't know what that word is, but all of a sudden it shows up in 10 or 30 or 100 places and you start to go, oh, a picture emerges. This is what Paul is talking about. So when a word only shows up once, which the, the word for that technically is hapax legomena. Super fun to say, you can do that later on your own time. But a hapax legomena is a place where a word in scripture only appears one time. And so what then they have to do, what, what the translators do, is they have to look at the context, but they also have to go outside of the scripture and find extra biblical material which exists in places like Plato and other words who, uh, others who use the same word, and here's what it means. To act like men, what Paul is saying, Paul's not envisioning gender here, what he's saying is, have the courage of a warrior engaged in battle. That's what andritsomai means. Stand your ground and be ready to engage in the battle that God has called you to. Paul's saying when you engage in kingdom work, you should be ready for the enemy to come after you. See, a lot of people, they, 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 they go into church and they're like, okay, man, I'm going to really, I'm going to turn my life around. I'm going to make that New Year's resolution. I'm going to go out, I'm going I'm to start serving. But if we don't recognize that there is an, a, a real enemy, sometimes called the Satan or the devil, Lucifer, a real enemy who wants to, to, to steal, kill, and destroy, what's going to happen is we're going to go naked onto the battlefield and what will happen to us is predictable. We're going to be destroyed. And so we need more than just our own muscle and might to see the move of God happen in our lives. We've got to stand our ground, which is to stand with God in the face of the battle. Ephesians chapter 6, another church that Paul wrote to, he says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and after having done everything to stand firm. The, the point here is that it takes courage 
to follow Jesus. It takes courage to stand our ground. Which leads me to this, where in your faith journey, where in the stand that you have taken, have you become discouraged? To be discouraged is literally to have the the courage drained out of you, the energy for the battle taken from you, and you're now sitting there paralyzed going, I'm just so discouraged in this area of my walk or in that area of my walk that you're rendered ineffective. Paul would say to us, have the courage of a warrior, stand your ground, and do not give up. Sociologists tell us that most New Year's resolutions are broken by the second Friday of January. That's really bad news when the second Friday comes on like the 8th. We, we, we got to the 12th this year, but they have, a, they have named this second Friday of January Quitter's Day. It's literally a term. Because most people get 7, 8, 10, 12, 13 days into a commitment and they find that they can no longer stand their ground. They give up. Paul would admonish us of all people. If you think diet and exercise is an important goal or finances is an important goal, and they are, Paul says the greatest goal that you could go after is the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Stand your ground in it. Uh, Let me add this too. I want to be careful here. When you talk about warrior imagery or soldiers or standing our ground, this is not stand your ground against the evil culture or against that terrible political candidate. He's not not calling for for the church to to go head to head and try to defeat and drown out culture. It's something very different than that. Paul's not actually calling them to stand against anything, but rather for something. He says in verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. So as we're standing our ground, we're standing in the love of God. Brothers and sisters, the great fight that we are engaged in is the fight to keep our souls fresh and alive with the love of God. That's the difficult thing. I I don't know about you, but for me, there is no enemy in our culture or in our world that stares me in the face like my own flesh does. By the time I fight against the temptations in my own life, the temptations to, to be self-absorbed, to be lazy, to, 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 be, uh, to go outside of God's plan. For my, like When I fight those temptations, I don't have a lot left over. My, my, my whole focus is, God, help me to stand in your love, to, to stand in holiness, to pursue you. And it's out of that place that we can do all things in love, that we become a compelling witness for Jesus. Number four. To embrace the move of God is to be ready to honor. Not a word that we use a lot in today's language, but honor is necessary. Look at verses 15 to 20. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. So be subject to such as these and to every fellow worker and laborer. I rejoice at the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus because they have made up for your absence. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca together with the church in their house send your hearty greetings in the Lord. All of the brothers send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. 
Now, some of you just heard that last words, greet one another with a holy kiss, and you said, I'm ready. Here am I, Lord, send me. <laughs> this, as you know, is not about romance, it's about respect. Paul is saying there should be a sacred familiarity within the church. Shouldn't be standoffish. Be wise, but don't have your guard up. Be willing to embrace one another, not just physically, but, but you know, symbolically embrace the, the other among you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. What really emerges is a picture of the first century church in just a, a snapshot. Paul says this, he says, there are those who are devoted to the service of the saints, verse 15. He says, there are those who have refreshed his spirit, verse 18. He says in verse 20, all of the brothers and sisters send you greetings. And Paul's encouragement to the Corinthians based on the kind of people that are joining the team with them, that are walking the journey with them, his encouragement is in verse 18, give recognition to such people. And it's important that he say this because the Corinthian church was made up of a wildly diverse people. There were among them Jews who had grown up on Mosaic law and circumcision and dietary restrictions and they were singularly focused on that. There were Romans who had become followers of Jesus in Corinth and they had been raised on stories of, of war and violence and conquest and imperialism and that's where they were coming from. And there were also in the church Greeks who were familiar with the academics and the intellect and they, they, they had been raised on pagan ideology and, 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 and idolatry and, and so all of this existed but now they were following Jesus. What do they do? And Paul says, let what you have in common trump what you have different. Move toward each other. Be willing to embrace the other among you. We are very similar in this way to the city of Corinth and to the church of the Corinthians. Some of you come from places where a holy kiss on the cheek is a very natural greeting. Most of us, that looks more like a holy side hug. And some of you from the Northeast, you're like not down with any of it. You're like, I'll shake your hand and that's about all you're getting from me. And that's okay. Still getting up to speed with how we do things here. That's okay. God is taking all of this wild diversity of who we are, where we come from, what languages we speak, and he's forming something new. He's forming a people in a place for his glory. Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 and 28. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no slave or free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in who? You are all one in? That's it. Let me do a quick something that I want to do here. On behalf of the leaders of this church, on behalf of staff and, and deacons and those kind of things, I want to thank you for making our work a joy. Man, I, it, is, it is easy. Marcy's not in her head. It is easy. The work isn't easy. It's not all, you know, but I'm saying it is easy to link arms with you and to advance the cause of Christ together with you. It is a joy and a privilege to have people ready to step in and pastor our congregation when they walk through loss and I can't get there quite yet to show up at a funeral like I did yesterday 
and see multiple members of this congregation who just showed up to support and to grieve with and to offer hope. This is, this is regular. You honor us by the way that you strive after the Lord together with us. This is not true in most places, and we do not take it for granted. I honor you that you are a place and a people that extend us honor. Let me get to this final key to embracing the move of God. The final one, maybe the most important one, is that we be ready for Jesus. Paul ends his letter in these final few verses saying this, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. All of the labor, all of the the blood, sweat, and tears, so to speak, that Paul has poured into the letter, all the ink that has been spent comes down to this. Our Lord, come. Greek word there is Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Paul is admonishing the Corinthian church and, and through the Spirit and the Word of God, admonishing us to keep our eyes on the future day of the coming of Jesus. The first century Christians certainly lived with that expectation. They, they lived with a sense that Jesus was coming back imminently. And the idea permeated everything that they did in their here and now lives. Let me give you one example in 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We've all heard the person that says, Oh, so-and-so is so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. And Scripture would challenge that notion. And the Word of God would remind us that those who are truly heavenly-minded, meaning not seeing heaven as the escape route, the evacuation plan, God, get me out of here, but those who see heaven coming to earth, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, should be the most ready for action in this world that they should most seek to answer their prayers to see heaven come in the place where we are among the people that we do life with. To be truly heavenly minded, to set our hearts and our minds on Jesus is to be ready to embrace his move here and now. I want to quickly give you a few implications of what it means to be a people ready for Jesus. Number one, we remain hopeful through the worst that life and death throw at us. I didn't misread that. We remain hopeful through the worst that life and death throw at us. Chapter 15 reminded us just a week or two ago, death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? We walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but we don't get stuck in it. We, we know that those we have lost here at Horizon West Church, and there have been several, who were followers of Jesus, who were redeemed by the blood of Christ, they are living fully alive in heaven with him and awaiting our reunion to them. We don't get discouraged. We remain hopeful through it all. Secondly, we do not fight for an earthly kingdom. It's election year, so let me say we don't fight for an earthly kingdom, a politician or a party. Not saying you can't speak out about it, not saying don't vote. I would encourage you to do those things. But don't wage war. 
Don't forget that when Jesus was being arrested by the Roman guard and Peter swung his sword to cut off the man's head, Jesus said, Peter, put away your sword. Those who live by it, die by it. Jesus, just a moment later, standing before Pilate, said, Pilate, if my kingdom were of this earth, my, my followers would fight you. In fact, he adds, I could call down a legion of angels to deliver me, but my kingdom is from another place. Do not get bogged down and mired in the kingdoms of sand that are being built here and now. We are citizens of heaven. Number three, to be ready for Jesus means we seek every opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with our friends, our family, our neighbors. We look for the inroad. We look for the open door. I have a buddy that I uh, go to the gym with. We don't go together, but he's there more often than I am, but I see him when I'm there. He said to me, man, I, I got to head up to Pennsylvania. My grandmother's dying. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I'll be praying for you. Got exchanged texts. Texted me Saturday morning. Hey, grandma just passed. Thanks for your prayers. I don't know if this guy knows the Lord. I don't think he's connected to a church. But I saw an opportunity. Man, here, here's somebody that God seems to be working on, somebody that there's become a connection with, or a, a, at least a surface-level relationship with. Can we make that more? Can I lead him to Jesus? Could I see this brother come to know Christ as his Savior? That's our ambition. That's what we strive for, is to share the good news of Jesus with others. And then fourth and finally, to be ready for Jesus is to be ready to serve. Or as we would say it, be ready to join the team. You're going to hear more about that in just a moment. Friends, we have come to the end of our journey with 1 Corinthians. Uh, we have not come to the end of our journey. There will be many more books of the Bible that will be preached. There will be many more opportunities that we will seize. There will be many more people reached for the kingdom. The journey continues to the glory of God. I want to invite you, if you maybe came to us in the last year I really have enjoyed the First Corinthians series, but I, but I missed most of it. Or maybe there was one or two or three or four, and you're like, I was just out of town. I, I want to let you know where you can find those messages. If you go to uh, horizonwestchurch.com and click on our watch tab, there is an on-demand, all of our messages, with the exception of this one, which will go up later this week, all of those messages are there. I encourage you if, you, if you, if you missed one or missed one, would you go there and just get everything that God has brought to us in this letter of First Corinthians? Another easy way to find it is on your podcast app, just Horizon West Church. If you're not linked up with that, if you're not subscribing to that, I encourage you to do that. That becomes an automatic drop into your, uh, into your downloads uh, when we post those. So those are just a couple ways that you can further uh, wrestle with, learn from, grapple with the text of 1 Corinthians in the days ahead. I'm going to offer us a word of prayer. I'm going to ask that you stand with me. We're going to sing a song of response, and then Marcy will come to close out our service. Pray with me. Father, there's something just kind of humbling about this morning, um, just thinking about a year and a half ago or so, and together with Pastor David and Pastor Danny and the other campus pastors, just praying, wondering, God, where would you have us go in Scripture? If, if our lives are a journey of faith, what, what's the text for this part of the journey? And God, I remember it was just so clear to us that it was that first letter of Paul's to a place called Corinth. A place and a people wrestling with, with immorality, wrestling with division, wrestling with 
brokenness in their homes, wrestling with theological questions, wrestling with when is Jesus coming back? And God, we're a people much the same. Same brokenness, same struggles, same questions. God, thank you for being faithful to walk with us through that passage. And all the more so, God, thank you that you will never leave us or forsake us. That whatever the next part of the journey looks like, and we believe it's going to be even greater than we ask or imagine, but regardless, God, we entrust that to your hands. You are our good shepherd. You are our leader. You are our pastor, God. And so we submit to your authority, and we look forward to the next part of the journey as you lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.